Are we back? Yeah, you're not going to believe this. What happened? We're going to have to start over. Really? Yeah, the internet just went dead. So we'll just uh, we'll just start. It. Yeah. What time you go to bed? Two o'clock. I, I mean, I stay up till four or five sometimes. I'm just seriously just not anytime soon. I promise you that much. All right. Well, if you're okay, then we'll just start over. We'll go for about a half an hour. I mean, we ain't going to yeah. stay on here all night. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, all right, let's let's go ahead and start this over again. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast that currently has no name, but the subject is going to be weekly Cincinnati Reds baseball and updates from knowledgeable and passionate Reds fans. I'm your host, Will Alderman, and joining me right now is my cousin, Devin Collins, live from Marshall University. He's back down on campus getting ready, gearing up for the 2021 basketball season. How you doing tonight, Devin? Doing good. Sorry, after the Reds win, big game. Yes, sir. And we tried to do this podcast a few minutes ago, and apparently the Wi-Fi went out, so we're starting over again. But it's 12.31 a.m. It's technically Tuesday, August the 4th, and both of us are feeling pretty good tonight because the Cincinnati Reds are now at 500 through their first 10 games of the season, 5-5, five and five, Big victory tonight over their cross-state rival, Cleveland Indians, in the battle of the, what's it called, the battle for the Ohio Cup, is that yep. what they call it? All right. So, big win there for the Reds, and we are now on a three-game winning streak. So, I've been wanting to do this podcast for quite some time. Tonight, I got the motivation. Last week, I was down in the dumps, and I, because I plan was, let's go ahead and start this podcast after opening day, and then things just went downhill for the Reds after opening day. You know, they bought into the hype. The two preseason games against Detroit looked great. I watched both of them. Made a joke that Rossell Iglesias was in preseason form because he gave up a home run in one of those games, but I think they won it like nine to seven. Mm-hmm. And then I think the next night they won the game two to nothing or three to one. Then of course on opening day they came out firing on all cylinders. Um what what do we have on opening day? I know Joey Votto had a home run. I mean, everybody run. was going off. I mean, I know Moustakas had a double, I believe, and a home run. He did, yep. I know Votto had a home run. Um, I mean, everybody was just clicking all cylinders that day. That's just a good day for us. Yeah, and, and, and you thought to yourself after that, finally, we have yeah, it, a it, good it, team. It, yeah. we have, we've waited for this for years. Losing seasons – since 2014. Last year, they gave us a little bit of hope. You know, they made the offseason trade for Yasiel Puig and Sonny Gray. Uh, then, of course, going down the stretch, they traded Yasiel Puig for Trevor Bauer. And I, th- I think the whole goal last year was to leave behind the losing mentality, change the culture in Cincinnati, hover around 500 and hope to go on a run to where maybe you'd sneak into the postseason at the very end. That never materialized last year. They did hover around 500 for a while during the summer, but they fizzled out near the end. But I think all along the setup was for 2020. But after opening day, things started to go downhill. Bullpen blows the game on Saturday against the Detroit Tigers. They lose another one. That's not the way you want to start the year out, especially in a Uh 60-game sprint. One and two, losing two out of three at home to what many consider to be the lowly Detroit Tigers. But I just want to go ahead and give the Tigers some credit. They didn't look like that no, bad of a ball club. club. 
I mean, they got a solid record right now. I'm pretty sure they're around 500 still, but I mean, I mean, they got a solid ball club. You know, they got. I mean, CJ Crone was just going off against us, and I mean, when a team saw it in the majors, it's just hard to beat them. Don't matter who they are, when they're hot, they're just hot. Exactly. And Julie and I have a cousin up in Michigan. She is a huge Detroit Tigers fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I messaged her on opening day and said, "Hey, are you watching the game?" She said, yeah, we suck this year. We just want a high draft pick. And yeah. then over the weekend, I messaged her. I said, I think you were selling your team short a little bit. I'm, 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 yeah, I, I think I think you guys have a bright future. And, of course, they have future Hall of Famer Miguel Cabrera on that team. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, he showed why he was a future Hall of Famer on that Saturday game when he took Michael Lorenzo deep for a three-run home run to give the Tigers a 4-3 to three lead in a game that we really let get away from like us. That's really what this – Flip a series with a home run, and then you know losing that game, they go. You know, I feel like we was just down. We just, you know, it's just not good vibes winning the game, and we just end up not coming out ready to play. Well, Trevor Bauer pitched a gym on that Sunday. Yep. yep. One one game in the ninth. Rossell Iglesias gives up a. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Rossell Iglesias gave up a two run home run on the Saturday. It was Michael Lorenzen that came out again on the Sunday and gave up a two-run home run. I can't remember who he gave it up to, but the Reds lost that game 3-2. to two. Votto come up with a chance to win the ball game in the bottom of the ninth, but he hit the ball right on the screws to the first baseman for a 3-6-3 double play to end the ball game. Yep. All right? Next night, they play the Cubs. They're down 7-1. to one. I ride them off early. But they yep. hang in there. They keep clawing and scratching their way back. And with the game on the line, eight to seven, bases loaded, one out, bottom of the knife. Philip Irvin's at bat. What does he do, Devin? Just horrible. I mean, solid at bat to that last pitch. I mean, there's just no way. I don't know what was going through his mind on that pitch. I mean, it was right at his chin. He swung at it. If he just took the pitch, it would have been tie ball game. Joey Votto would have walked it off next at bat. Because there just been, would have been one out, and he would have got it done. I just know he would have got it done. He would have. With one out, winning run on third, all he would have had to do was get a sack fly, and he hit the line drive right yep. on the screws on that 3-2 pitch. Um, they said the exit velocity was over 100 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. So I mean, you better than that. What was down in the dumps about it, here's your $25 million man, your 2010 MVP, the guy that just missed the MVP by a few votes in 2017 to Giancarlo Stanton, and you're thinking, come on, man, can you come up at least once with the game on the line? But at the same token, those were hard-hit balls and just a tough break for Votto. He's off to a good start. We'll bring you up to speed here in just a minute when we talk about the game that occurred earlier uh, on Monday evening. So now the next night against the Chicago Cubs, I believe that's when Wade Miley made his Reds debut, and it was not pretty. Not good at all. I mean, he hasn't been back. He hasn't appeared back since. I'm pretty sure he's on the injured list. But I mean, I just hope that we're not just going to get an automatic L every five days when that fifth pitcher has to come up. Because just on that day, it just seemed like promising at all. I just hope Malley can just step in. I mean, because Disco looked really well. Well, and uh, I just hope Malley can step in and just get the job done. Well, that's the good news. The Reds have depth. That's something they haven't had in recent years. In recent years, they were just trying to find individuals that would step into the rotation and throw five or six innings and turn it over to the bullpen. Uh, I remember they actually signed Alfredo Simone as a free agent 
I think in 2017, after they had flipped him to the Tigers for Eugenio Suarez. Uh, He had, you know, a couple good years as a reliever. He stepped up as a starter in 2014, made the all-star team, and then they traded him to Detroit, got Eugenio Suarez, signed him as a free agent in 2017. I don't even think he made it until June before he was released. Uh, But now, like you said, you know, you got Tyler, Tyler Maui. There are games where, and no disrespect whatsoever when I say this, but there are games with his control where it reminds you of like a poor man's Greg Maddox, the way that he can command those pitches and paint the corners. And if he can do that a couple of starts, then, hey, Wade Miley can just take his time and come back when he's 100%. And the thing about Malley is he's in his mid-20s. I mean, he's got a lot of room to grow. I mean, he's still super young. Absolutely. All right. So, losing that game, 8-5 to five to the Cubs, the Reds are now 1-4 and four on the season in the midst of a four-game losing streak, and things are looking bleak. They send their ace to the mound on Wednesday, Sonny Gray. He shuts down the Cubs. Of course, the bullpen had to make it a little bit interesting towards the end. But it reminded you of opening day when the team was firing on all cylinders. They come away with a 12 to 7 win. The record's at 2 and 4. And, uh, Sonny Gray moves his record to 2 and 0. Now the game gets rained out on Thursday. Fast forward to the weekend. The game on Friday night was painful. The Reds were lifeless. Three hits, I think, the entire ball game. Oh, yeah. I mean, we was hitless for, seemed like forever. I mean, it was just not. Not enjoyable to watch for sure. No, they lose the game seven to two. Castillo takes the loss. He's zero and one. And I go to bed that night thinking, man, if COVID shuts down this baseball season, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it because right now th- this is not good. I mean, this is not fun at all to watch. Saturday they get rained out, and you're thinking, oh, okay, at least they didn't lose. Yeah. <laughs> and what a difference a day and a half makes. Because in a day and a half, I believe the Reds have turned the corner. And I believe they have momentum working in their favor right now. Because the rain out on Saturday carried over into a doubleheader on Sunday. Two seven-inning games. And I like this rule. I do. I'm a baseball traditionalist. But I like the new rules they're coming up with. The only rule I don't like is the DH in the National League. It just takes away too much strategy. But we'll talk about that some other time. Right now, Devin, why don't you tell us about what happened in game one of the doubleheader? I mean, Disco just stepped up. I mean, I, let me look. I'm opening up stats here real quick. But I just really liked how we looked. I mean, it was a close game all the way through. But, I mean, the only way the Tigers scored was just off that error. I mean, it was 3 nothing going in the bottom of six. You know, I thought we had the game. You know, I thought it was sealed up, really. I really did thought it was sealed. And, uh you know, we get a little bit of a jam, and we get this pop out the right field, and, you know, Castellanos and Senzel had a little bit of a miscommunication and just gave up three. Yeah, and that was a rookie mistake on Senzel's part. He yeah. He's the center fielder. He's the general out there in the outfield. He definitely should have called off Castellanos. Uh, can't really complain and blame Castellanos for misplaying the ball and it going off his glove. I mean, the the dude was the National League Player of the Week. He has got a base hit in every single game. I mean, and if he, think, go ahead. every run of that game came from him for us. Yeah. I mean, until the last inning when Shogo hit that. I mean, all three. I mean, hit the two-run home run and then the solo home run in the third. I mean, we can't – I mean, we can't just get – you know, I mean, if he's over four, then, yeah, you know, we're throwing some shade at him. But, you know, 
he keeps playing good, I mean, hey, what a mistake every once in a while on the field ain't horrible. Well, you're starting to get that sinking feeling when the Tigers came back and tied the game in the bottom to six. You're like, oh, man, here we go again. And I, I think I texted you. We text each other on a oh, daily basis about Reds baseball. And I think I texted you and I said, why am I torturing myself? Why am I not just outside enjoying this summer day? I'm just torturing myself watching this. So I'm thinking, all right, let's watch the top of the seventh and see what happens. Freddie Galvis leads off with a double. And then Shogo Akiyama does his magic where he drives in what proves to be the winning run. Rossell Iglesias closes the door in the bottom of the seventh. The Reds win four to three. And they go into the second game with a good chance to sweep the doubleheader because who's on the mound in the second game? Trevor Bauer, baby. Trevor Bauer, who is now 1-0, 20 strikeouts, and an ERA of 0.68. This is the Trevor Bauer the Cincinnati Reds traded for back in July last year on the night of the famous Amir Garrett fight when he took on the entire <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates. Never forget that. That was one of my favorite moments in Reds history. In a bleak season last year, those moments when Derek Dietrich just absolutely owned the Pittsburgh Pirates, I actually went to the Pittsburgh Pirates yep. Wikipedia page, and I altered the owner to Derek <laughs> Dietrich. Every single chance I got, I would alter it to the owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Derek Dietrich. <laughs> hey, we was there on opening day, too. You, myself. Our buddy Adam Banks, who does his own podcast off the cuff. I'm sure he's going to check out our podcast here. So we were all at Great American Ballpark there on opening day 2019. We saw Derek Dietrich take, I can't remember who the reliever was for Pittsburgh. I can't remember who it was. But a three-run home run, and the atmosphere was just electric that day when he did that. I remember the funny thing was we had Matt Kiff on the bench. We, everybody in the crowd was just wondering why Matt Kiff wasn't coming up. And nobody knew who Dietrich was, really. Nope. You know, he just came up, good right, righty-on-lefty matchup, and, I mean, made him pay. And then that Sunday against Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, those two home runs he hit out into the Allegheny in the River. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that, that was a swing like King Griffey Jr. That, that's what it reminded me of. Yep. That last home run he hit, the one yep. that he just admired going into that. the river. Yeah. And, of course – Next at bat, Pittsburgh being Pittsburgh, they throw at him. Throw behind him. Yeah, throwing behind him. And then Yasiel Puig decides he's going to take on the entire Pittsburgh ball club, which that's yep. not a bad idea. I mean, that's that's one ball club I absolutely despise. You know, no disrespect to my buddies over Pirates fans, but I just it, – it comes from my loyalty of being a WVU football fan. I just yeah. I think of WVU's arch rival, the Pitt Panthers, and all of these individuals that cheer for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're also Pitt Panther fans, so I don't I don't want any success out of our sports teams. Me either, me either. All right. So anyway, bring them back up to speed in 2020. Yasiel Puig gets traded for Trevor Bauer, and that was a tough pill to swallow when it happened. Matter of fact, yep. I'm actually looking at my Yasiel Puig jersey over here that I'm getting ready to alter and make a a Eugenio Suarez jersey out of it. Yep. But I really wanted Puig to stay a Red. It didn't work out that way. But if Trevor Bauer keeps working his magic and the Reds make the playoffs and Bauer helps the Reds make a deep postseason run, then, you know, I'm going to be okay with it. Oh, yeah. Me too, for sure. All right. So a 4 nothing victory, and then that brings us to the Monday night, August 3rd game against Cleveland. 
the uh, battle for the Ohio Cup. Oh, I mean, this is my favorite win of the season by far. Absolutely. Uh, so far, because, I mean, even you texted me, I'm pretty sure, second inning, third inning, it's like, you know, I just didn't feel like we had energy at all. Even you didn't. I mean, he's like, I don't think we're going to win this game. And then Castellanos homers, and then we just hung in there, hung in there, hung in there, and then Votto just, I mean, you can talk about it. I mean, it's just awesome. Listen, tonight, well, technically last night, because, as I said, it's yep. after midnight, and it's Tuesday right now. But that game on Monday night took me back to May of 2010. It was my birthday, May 9th, 2010. And I'm downstairs watching the game. Same place I was watching tonight's game. Only difference was the TV was on the opposite wall. And my father-in-law was in there watching the game with me, and they were playing the Cubs. And I think the Cubs had a 3-2 to two lead. It was in the seventh inning. And Votto comes up with two men on base. My father-in-law says, you know what, Will? Maybe the Reds will win for your birthday. Joey Votto parks one into the sun deck. Three-run home run. I remember Tom Brenneman screaming, Joey Votto. (laughs) And, of course, the Reds won that game. And that was the day I knew the Reds were for real that year. They went on to win the Central Division. Of course, Jay Bruce had the walk-off home run against Tim Burdak of the Houston Astros in September, September 28th, to give the Reds their first division title in 15 years. <clears throat> Fast forward to tonight, 10 years later, when Votto hit that home run, the Reds are down 2-1. to one. Um, Who was on first? Was Shogo on first? Did he get a... Uh, yeah, Shogo, line, line drive to left field, got on base. I mean, and Votto worked full count, too. I mean, we had runners going. Shogo was running, and I mean, Votto, I just... That's it. Throw it right down his little house, right inside. He just turned on it and crushed it. That's one of those balls that the second it connected, Votto yep. knew it was gone. Votto knew it was gone. The pitcher the knew it out. was gone. I knew it was gone. And it reminded me of that Cubs game 10 years ago. Yeah. And that that was, the, that was the day I knew the Reds were for real that year. And I have a feeling tonight they've turned the corner, and I think they're for real this year. They only got 50 games to go. So. Yep. 50 left, I mean. But a four-game teams in each division make playoffs. I mean, I definitely want to win the Central. I mean, but you know, main goals this year is make playoffs. Right, because everybody has the same opportunity. If you're not familiar with it, there's going to be eight teams from each league to make the playoffs. There's not division. Right, there's not going to be a one-game wild card. I've always felt that the one-game wild card in baseball has been ridiculous. I like, I like how they're going to do the first round. Those eight teams are going to play each other, and it's going to be a best two out of three series. I like that. I like that, too. And that, that's going to be a huge advantage for us. I'll just think of who we got come up to pitch every day. Right, exactly. We have Gray, Castillo, Bauer. Three straight days. And then if you have to, you got Disco in your number four slot, and that is not a bad number four to go to at all. Nope. So, anyway, um, looking ahead at the schedule – The Reds later on tonight are going to be playing the Cleveland Indians at home. And Beaver's going for the Indians. He's 2-0 with a zero ERA, whereas Tyler Malley's going for us. No record, 4.50 ERA. What do you know about Beaver? I mean, I watched – I'm pretty sure I watched the last four or five innings of his last start. I mean, he looked solid. I mean, I'm pretty sure his first start was against the Kansas City Royals, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, I mean, he 
not get up a run. I mean, the Kansas City Royals ain't a great team, but he came out against the Twins, who's got some big bats on that team, and he came out and just dominated them too. So, I mean, it's going to be a good game, I think. I mean, we just got to get to him early. Hopefully we get the bullpen. Well, it's a good thing the Reds won the game on Monday like they did. Gray moves his record to 3-0. and He's got 28 strikeouts, tied for third in the major leagues, an ERA of 0.96. So even if the Reds lose the game on Tuesday, they're going to the two games in Cleveland with Castillo on the mound Wednesday. He's 0-1 with a 4.0 ERA, 17 strikeouts. And then there's a question mark for Thursday because Bauer started on Sunday, but he said before the season began he wants to start every fourth day. So if you look at Bauer going on Thursday – that's a good matchup. Yep. There's a good chance we might sweep the series in Cleveland. I, yep. How great would it be if we took all four of these games? I mean, this that'd be huge. I mean, honestly, at this point, if we the Cubs are going to start. I mean, the Cubs are hot right now. You know, eventually they're going to fall off a little bit. So if we just get a few games above 500 and start creeping up with them a little bit, I feel like because I don't know if you looked ahead yet. We'll talk about this later, but our schedule next week's looking really good for us. Really good. Right and. Where we plan on recording this on a weekly basis, I'm going to go up until Saturday and cut that off, and then yeah. you know we'll pick up with the next week's schedule. But after Cleveland, the Reds travel to Milwaukee. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, Milwaukee's been in the midst of some cancellations due to COVID outbreaks. Yeah. Uh, they were playing today. They played the White Sox. I'm pretty sure they lost. Uh, they lost to the White Sox, so we're officially second in the division right now. Yeah, I just now pulled up the standings. You're right. We are second in the division right now. Three, Where are we? three games back. Three games behind the Cubs. Yep. Yep. I mean, and the thing is, we're five and five right now. If you'd have told me, you know, before season started, we were five and five, I wouldn't be too happy. But it's really not as bad as it looks for us. Right. Five, and five really just ain't as bad as it looks. Right. I feel like we should be six and four right now. I'll take the five and five. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a season like this, it's okay to hover around five hundred. But yep. uh, the magic number for me, I just now wrote it down, 26. That's the number I want to get to. I want to, I want 26 more wins this season. That will give the Reds a 31-29 and 29 record. Now, that doesn't sound that great. That's two games above 500. But with the top eight teams making the playoffs, 31 wins more than likely is going to get you into the postseason. That's what I'm thinking, too, because, I mean, the Pirates aren't going to – the Pirates aren't going to do anything. No. They're just really not. No, they're rebuilding you know, right now. The Cardinals, I'm not sure. They haven't played much, you know, because of COVID outbreaks. But, you know, I'm anxious to see this. I mean, the Brewers have a few good players. But, I mean, we're definitely the top two teams in this division without a doubt. Well, we're going to see Disco go this weekend. Um, kind of a question mark. Who else will go? It depends on if Trevor Bauer yep. goes in Cleveland on Thursday. And I'm sure he will. I'm sure he's going yep. to want to pitch against his former team, especially in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but I'm going to bring up a controversial topic. I want to see what you think about this. You know, the Marlins had the COVID outbreak, and they canceled all their games. The Cardinals had their COVID outbreak, and their games have been canceled. Yep. And I think these COVID outbreaks are occurring because of negligence on the part of some of the players and the coaches and those associated with the team. I read a story. I don't know how true this is. I read a story where um, there were some – people affiliated with the Marlins that went to, that went to strip clubs and yep, bars and everything. I mean, same with the Cardinals. Cardinals were out. They got caught out doing stuff. I mean, casinos. Just, casinos with the Cardinals. 
Just asking for it. Well, I, what I'm thinking is, instead of canceling the games, I think they should have to forfeit the games. I mean, they can't. I think the Marlins, the Marlins are like two and two right now. I mean, there's no way they can just make all these games up. No. Because they just want to end up hurting other teams. Because that, that means all these other teams are going to play doubleheader after doubleheader. You know, it's just going to hurt them too eventually. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, other teams aren't going to like that. I mean, if it was like accidental, like spreading, but if they're caught out like that, like at a club or anything like that, that just feels like that's just ignorant. All right. So we've got about uh, five minutes to wrap things up here on the first episode. And I'm sure people are wondering why should they listen to, of course, people that know us are probably going to listen to us, but why should people want to listen to us for our recaps of Cincinnati Reds podcasts? Well, we're diehard passionate fans. We're knowledgeable fans. I've been a fan since 1985. My very first memory of watching the Reds was when I was six years old, watching Pete Rose break Ty Cobb's record with single 4192, hit number 4192, and I've been in love with Reds baseball ever since that night. Got to meet Pete Rose once, and uh, <laughs> let me just say I like Pete Rose the ball player. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I've had a lot of good Reds memories over the years. I was lucky enough to see him win a World Series when I was 11 years old in the sixth grade. I was actually at the playoffs when they played Pittsburgh, game one, game two, game six, saw him win the pennant. I still remember being at my mamaw and papaws that Saturday night when they swept the Oakland A's. And I, I could just go on forever about all these yeah. great Reds memories that I have, but probably the number one reason I'm a Reds fan is we live in Reds country. I mean, it is the closest team. We have the Reds caravan that comes through here every year, but those are some of my favorite memories of being a Reds fan growing up. And one night after we were playing one of our slow pitch softball games, uh, I think it was Trey Dalton. He asked me, he said, who's your favorite red of all time? And I said, honestly, he's not the best red of all time. I said, but my favorite red of all time is Barry Larkin because I followed his career from the yep. time he came up with the Reds till the time he retired, and he was a Red for 19 seasons, a season. And, of course, he's in the Hall of Fame today, and his number 11 is retired, and he's also in the Reds Hall of Fame. And, oh, and by the way, he's from Cincinnati. So, I mean, th that man right there is just part of Cincinnati Reds' full core. Oh, yeah. All right, so tell me your moments as being a Reds fan. So what's some of your favorite memories? Well, I mean, I haven't been a fan for nearly as long, obviously, but, you know, just growing up, you know, like you guys, and just runs in the family, really, just being a Reds fan, and, you know, you taking me to games, and, like, opening days, and that kind of stuff, I mean, it just, I mean, some of my favorite memories, just probably, like, the little things, just, like, one of my favorite was, like, Todd Frazier winning that home run derby, I know you were there to witness that in person, I mean, that'd just be awesome, and, uh, just to see how much, like, the fan base, and the community just gathered around him then, and just, I mean, because, more than likely, if he's playing anywhere else doing that, he probably don't win it. Right. You know, just being hyped and just the adrenaline running, I mean, that was just awesome for him and, like, the team and everything. Yeah, and that was a good memory to have because that was a really down year for the Reds, really yep. really a down period in the rebuild, and you, you got a little bit of a magical moment there where Todd Frazier wins the home run derby at Great American Ballpark. Then the next night in the All-Star game, Aroldis Chapman comes in in the ninth inning, and I think, yep. I think he strikes out the side on nine pitches. So that, that's one of, yeah. he's always going to be one of my favorite all-time Reds. And even though he's in a Yankee uniform now, I still cheer for him. Oh, yeah. 
I think a year or two later, I mean, you've seen Scooter Jeanette come up and in the All-Star game and tie the game in the ninth inning. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure maybe it was a red on base, too. Maybe Votto or somebody was on base or something, and Jeanette just steps up and ties the ball game in the ninth. I mean, that's just awesome. That kind of stuff right there, I just like that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you'll remember, it was it the year before in 2017 when Scooter Jeanette had his four home run game against yep. the uh, Cardinals? Yep. Yeah, when I made my trip across country in 2018, you know, of course we stopped in Cooperstown mm-hmm. and I went in the Hall of Fame Museum. And when it got to the red section, they had Scooter Jeanette's equipment from the night wow. that he hit the four home runs. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Devin, buddy, we're about out of time for this evening. I appreciate you joining me. Uh, yep. We'll try to do it again next week if yep. you want to. See you next week. All right. Go Reds. Yep.